Here we go, y'all. You are watching or listening to, sorry, because <laughs> we're not doing a video. Um, you're listening to another episode of your Probably Right podcast, and it is starring yours truly, MCM. Today, I think you will be intrigued, not necessarily by what I'm going to say, but at the end of this, you're going to hear a conversation between Johnny Artivarnes. I think that's how he says it. Ardevanis. Ardevanis. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Johnny Ardevanis and Paul Washer. And what it is, is they'll be talking about what is masculinity. Rather, what is biblical masculinity. And trust me, it is basically a taboo topic. And that is pretty sad. But this is going to, you're going to hear that at the end of this. I don't know why I just pressed that button, but you're going to hear this at the end of, of what I have to say about it, but I'm going to touch it in a totally different area. So here we go. So what is it now or nowadays to be a man? And why is it such a bad thing? I am a person who is definitely a supporter of the fact that men and women are different. Now, I'm saying it, and maybe you don't believe so. Maybe you think it's a lie, but there are obviously physiological differences between men and women, period. If you don't think so, well, you're probably right, but I think I'm probably right in this situation, but check a Bible. You know, that book that our society was based on in the first place, the most hated religion out there. Some might argue it, but you know what? From things like videos, music videos, like have you seen the little Dicky um, demonstration with him being crucified on the cross? Or have you seen little Nas X lap dancing on the lap of Satan and all the other things that happen in society that are totally against Christianity but nobody says anything but Lord help you if you are Islamophobic or if you are not all cool with the LGBTQ plus two um, faction of society you know Everybody is walking on eggshells when it comes to certain things. At this day and age right now, you better not say anything about anybody First Nations. You better not say anything about anybody who is dealing with sexuality issues. There'll be a huge long blurb at every single job underneath the job descriptions of any job search you go to any website and put in what you're looking for choose the job they're going to tell you what your education needs to be or they're going to tell you a little bit about the job they're going to say that they need this 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 and you bring to the table this 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 your requirement should be this 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 but then longer than all of those first uh subtopics you have this whole long blurb about how they care about first nations and 
how they care about Aboriginal people or how they care about people of color, of all their cultures and religions and yada, 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 yada. It doesn't really help you get the job, by the way, especially those spots where, you know, it says, uh, tell us what color you are or culture you are. Tell us what uh, sexuality you are as it has anything to do with anything with the job. I'm not a sex worker. So why do you care what I do at home? Um, there's all this different stuff. And, you know, pay attention to the asterisks that, you know, because there's certain things you really don't need to answer on a application. And sometimes we think it helps us. Well, maybe they're looking for a token black guy. So maybe I'll just check it off. Well, it's kind of like the pronoun thing. Is he his, hers, him? Um, you know, like all of this stuff. And sorry to rant on that at the beginning of this for the first five minutes. But, you know, some of this stuff is really annoying because when it comes to Christians, everybody thinks that we're their beating stick. You can say anything about Christians because Christians will love you because somewhere in the Bible, it says that they have to turn the other cheek. So you can say they're idiots. You can say they're fools. You can say that the Bible has been changed 50 million times and it's not accurate. Blah, 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 blah. Total baloney. Yes, there are different versions of the Bible. People who have translated it and made it easier for some people and put it in different languages. But no, the original was in Hebrew for the Old Testament. And the original Old Testament was written in Greek. And it was all from the inspiration of God. Now, people can argue it and make that an excuse. Well, I don't have to be. Well, don't be a believer if you don't want to. Listen, if you are to believe, God will choose you. And trust me, you will adhere to what he's saying because you're one of his. It's just that simple. You can be as smart as you want to be. But unless the spirit is drawing you. You're not going to understand the Bible anyways. And yes, you can have uh, intellectual argument with a Christian and you can bring out all kinds of esoteric scientific, fa scientific facts that you believe. But it doesn't change the fact that the Bible is true. If you want to argue that and you just don't believe it, well, then maybe the Bible is just not for you. But for those of you who are listening and saying, you know what, I've been always wondering if the Bible is true. Pick it up. Find a Bible-believing church, not a cult. Do your research. But I would say in your language, pick up a Bible. And if it speaks to you and Obviously, it's not going to speak. It's not going to open up like a Harry Potter movie and start speaking to you. But you read it. Start simply, I would say, start simply with the New Testament. Start with Matthew. Read Acts. And if you really want a good story, because you want to hear a story, and you love mysteries, and you love action, rip open Genesis. Try Je Exodus. You know? But anyways, <laughs> I'm going to get back to our main topic. Our main topic is being a man in today's society. It's not easy for various reasons, of course. If you stand up for things that you believe from a biblical standpoint, 
that you should do as a man or a man in your life should do, according to what the Bible says, you're going to be ostracized. You're going to love the conversation if you are a Bible-believing Christian between Johnny and Paul that I'm going to put at the end of this. The reason being is there's going to be things that you thought were right that most even pastors aren't even saying these days. The one thing I can say for Paul Washer is that he speaks what the word says. And sometimes, most of the time, when you hear Paul Washer stand in the pulpit or just speak and give his comments about something, it's not going to be easy to accept it if you are a carnal Christian or if you are a person who wants to kind of do things your way and not God's way then you're probably not going to be at ease with what he has to say or something that you've said or something that you do regularly is probably going to probably go against whatever it is he's saying because he's pretty straight up actually he's very straight up along with John MacArthur of course I would say these two give you the word of God exactly how it is supposed to be taught. Not pulling the punches, but letting the punches go directly to their target and hitting it. And hopefully you'll roll with those punches, figuratively speaking, of course. Now, the thing that I have to say is, is that it is difficult, again, to be a man in this society. I can't speak my mind because I might offend somebody. My privilege. Do you have privilege? We all have privileges. Well, guess what? If you're a man, you have privileges over women. That is being said and that's being ground into society's fabric as far as it comes to us relating to one another. They have washrooms that are non-gender specific. They have women in men's sports. They have men who are saying they're living their lives as women in women's sports. What's next? It's really getting sad. But there's certain things I would say that I didn't learn as a young man growing up in this world, for my father even. You know, I was saying to somebody today that society has changed. And obviously, it doesn't take a rocket scientist, as they say, to realize that society has changed. Because it's changing all the time. But the thing that people have an issue with is not the fact that people believe in God and believe the Bible. The issue is, is that the Bible does not fit in today's society the way it is. If you're a person who's read the Old Testament, you'll hear you'll hear something like this. And he did wickedness like his father, and he built up altars to this, that, and the other, except for God. They built up this to that God, and he worshiped this and all these kind of things. And it just goes on to be a horrible story about usually that king. And the way I look at society in retrospect to thinking about things in the Bible that way is, okay, for instance, Sunday shopping. 
Sunday shopping wasn't a thing in the early 80s. There was no Sunday shopping. It was very few places that were open, maybe a variety store. Every Sunday used to be, I know this is like alien to so many people now, but Sunday shopping, it would have been hard to find. It would be harder to find a store open back in the 80s when there was no Sunday shopping than there is now on Christmas Day. And trust me, you'll have a movie theater still open. You'll have Shoppers Drug Mart still open. You'll have a few different places that are open. You'll have lots of grocery stores open, even on a Christmas Day or on an Easter, a Good Friday. But society is pulling away, pulling away from the things that used to have our whole society in check compared to now anyways and i'm sure back then people will say oh well still things weren't like they were in the 60s and 40s and 30s i understand but everything is pulling far 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 away there was so much more accessibility to evil things of this world think about what you had to do before as a man think about what you had to do to maybe watch a blue movie or pornography or some nasty type of video or even types of songs before you had to go to a funny shop and pick up something and hide it from your mom maybe it's a magazine or these things now all you have to do is pick up a a, a phone pick up an ipad open your computer there's ways of hiding everything that you possibly do on the internet Yes, there's a lot of stuff good on the internet, but there are so many bad things and they're just at our fingertips in society. So as a man, when you think about being a man of a home and you have a wife and you're both going to work and in this society, it's very plausible that she, your wife makes more money than you do. Maybe you're out of the house at the same time, but there's very often nowadays where a woman makes more money than her husband. How do you say that you're the breadwinner? How do you say that you're providing for your family? You're helping? Yes, you're helping to provide for your family, but things are already thrown off. If you don't understand what I mean, like they... They're, they're definitely thrown off because you could think that you're doing your job, but um, if you want that bigger house, guess what? You can't afford it on your own. Matter of fact, you can't afford most places on your own now. That's one thing that they've ch chosen to do with the house prices, with inflation, with not paying people properly. It throws things off in the home. And time away from home is becoming a regularity for women, even women who are married. They're at, you know, even if you get a lower paying job or you get a job that's part-time, most of the time, unless you're working for a school board or the government, you have to work on the weekends. And that's generally the most business. Even the banks were open. So if you were safe before working, even if you had bank holidays, you're not safe on Sunday or Saturday anymore. So forget about your regular Sabbath Saturdays for some and your Sundays for others, the Lord's Day. 
So therefore, you're pulled out of the home. You know, growing up, and I'll just give you a little brief look into my childhood. Growing up, both of my parents worked for most of, actually all of my life. Maybe when I was really young, my mom wasn't because she was probably taking care of me and my younger sister. But for most of my life, my mom would wake up every morning at approximately five to six. She'd be out of the house. Actually, she'd have to be at work by seven. And she was working approximately 45 minutes away from home. And that's including the, the walk to the bus and the bus ride. And my mom would work from 7 to 3.30. Like clockwork every day, she'd be home generally by the time I was ready to come home. But sometimes I would get home before her. And I was known as a latch. Latchkey kid, right? And I used to have to let myself in. Or my sister would have to let herself in. Countless times. Kids who were latchkey kids know that there was countless times if you were not responsible and you did not bring your key, guess what? You were outside. Could have been rain, snow, sleet. <laughs> Didn't matter. You're outside. Of course, back in the day, you used to know your neighborhood. Your neighbor and your parents knew the neighbors that you were living beside. And most of them would welcome you and say, hey, okay, sit down here for half an hour. You know, until your parents get home because we didn't have cell phones. Couldn't just pick up the phone or text mom and say, yo, I'm locked out of the house. Can you come home as quick as possible? And Lord help you, like in my house, if my parents had to rush off to church right after. Because we just they just wouldn't know <laughs> for sure if you'd got in or not. But my point in, in talking about this stuff is that there are certain things that a husband would do in past times that doesn't make any sense like he wouldn't be the only breadwinner these days unless he has a very high paying job but most people don't yes some of you are out there making 120,000 and up and you can pay for a home and that's of course if you're living within your means because even if you make 60 or 70 it's a pretty good paycheck but if you're trying to own a house that's worth 1.5, then it's not so easy. But when you look at scripture, you realize that, yes, as a man, you were supposed to be there to protect your family, protect your home, protect your wife. Your responsibility is to work by the sweat of your brow. And if it kills you, then guess what? You've done a good job. Now, of course, a lot of feminists might think, ha, well, that's good, finally. But that's it's, it's not in a negative way that I say that. A woman should be home to tend the home. It's not that she can't run a business from home, but her interactions with the outside and outside men, like how women are thrust into society like a man, and being bombarded with all that is out there, like a man, there's no protection. No, you cannot protect your wife in this day and age the way it is set up if you're living according to society's rules in most cases, just like your children. Your children get up in the morning by seven, usually most kids out by eight o'clock at school by 8.30, 8.45. Hopefully if you live close enough. And then they're there until approximately 3.30 to 4 to 4 o'clock to 4 to 4.30 in the, in the evening. Then what happens? You come home. Everybody wants to sit down and relax for maybe a half an hour at least. 
unless of course you're the person who's supposed to make dinner and then possibly you may have a conversation but most people are tired husbands and wives have no time for each other and even if you're a husband nowadays you may work from eight to four and then you might work from five to eleven just to make up the money but the way society is there's not much relationship the relationships of families are really 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 waning like there's there's most people hardly have a relationship most people are taking cell phones to dinner cell phones to the dinner table cell phones to the bath you know, we got water, waterproof phones now, waterproof watches that get the messages, lie in bed. Instead of rolling over and reading the Bible together, you probably roll over and just look at your own cell phone. And yeah, you might be listening to a scripture or listening to some uplifting music, but chances are you're doing it by yourself. And what's that saying? Together we stand, divided we fall. Think about all the things that are dividing the family and dividing people. People don't even walk down the street and speak to anyone anymore. Like there was a time when you'd pass somebody on the street and you'd tip your cap or, you know, you'd say hello or how you doing or something. Everything is getting so withdrawn. And the only thing that you're not withdrawn from nowadays is social media. You'll be watching YouTubes. And, and yeah, a lot of the time people, if you see them around at work or school, or whatever, they've seen the same things that you've seen. But generally, they're watching them by themselves. Lots of water cooler talk, because everything's a water cooler now. You stop and you look. How about the times when you're on um, social media like Instagram or something, or what's it, uh, TikTok, and they have these short, short videos. Even YouTube has it now. These videos can be anywhere from 5 seconds to 30 seconds for the really short ones. And it's like, I don't know if it, if it gives people dopamine i don't know what it is but there's just something about being able to click or swipe down or go on to the next one and on to the next one if you don't believe me and you're a regular social media person or somebody who uses social media have you ever said okay i'm gonna sit here i'm tired i'm gonna go take a bath in 15 minutes so i'll just click through some face mess facebook messages or i'll just look at these kijiji ads because I need a new set of headphones or a car tire or something. And you just get there and you're just looking, looking and looking. Stop looking, looking, looking. Oh, I better check my email. You're looking. Oh, there's something on my email. Oh, let me go back to this. And you get so distracted. And there's so many things that distract us from being who we are supposed to be as men in society and women in society and men and women in homes think about the damage that we're doing to our kids because we leave them in front of youtube in front of the tv nickelodeon disney and how much time are you spending as a family in the word of god or listening to preaching from a wholesome church that follows scripture the way it was written with little interpretation with little comedy jokes or feminism thrown in there. I've watched so many different ministers and they're up there on this, on the, on the pulpit preaching, but most of the time they're preaching their own words. They're preaching jokes. 
there's telling you how men need to be men and women can do this and women can do that and you don't need a man and this that and the other and there's so many things and i understand that a lot of the churches there are a lot of single women there but it doesn't mean you have to put down men at the same time just to lift women up and help them to be responsible and change their lives and go and sin no more but most of the jokes even in the church are the men are the butt of the jokes as they say anyhow i want you to watch or i want you to listen to this video or this this clip <laughs> keep thinking because i'm looking at this screen saying you know if only they could watch the video but well, you can't really um you could check it out let me tell you the channel that it was on it is on of course johnny art de venice art of venice a-r-d-a-v-a-n-i-s and um check it out he had pastor john on there he has a few clips and they're really informative but listen i might not have got to the exact point but i guarantee you this small um excerpt will definitely hit you right where it needs to be it hit me where it needs to be for sure i realized that i have more of a responsibility even if all of my needs as a man are not met even if i don't get to do what i want to do with all of my free time even if I don't get the best food that I want to eat, even if I don't get to drive the best car, even if I don't have the best man cave, even if I don't get to hang out with my friends all the time, even if work is actually hard labor, at least I'm going to do it God's way. Until next time, this is MCM signing off, but... Don't go anywhere. Listen to this clip. Take care. Paul, thanks again for being with us. I want to ask you about biblical masculinity. The idea of biblical masculinity is disappearing in today's culture and yet we see that it is so important as we look at the scripture yeah. talk to me about biblical masculinity and why it's so important well first of all there there is a difference between a man and a woman i know that in today that's shocking but you know paul told the corinthians act like men hmm. there had to be a basis for that but here's what we need to understand let's say that my father's generation, and for the most part, my generation, the idea of being a man was uh, John Wayne, mm -hmm. okay? And if you watch some of the John Wayne movies, yeah, there was a lot of things noble about that, but there were a lot of things that weren't noble. So John Wayne and that type of thing isn't the model, the archetype of what a man is to be. Mm -hmm. And then if you go to the other extreme, which you seem to find today, it's the very opposite of that person, mm -hmm. a, a very, passive, uh, delicate man, a fearful man. A, um, it's like his psyche is broken mm -hmm. and he just crumbles. Um, part of that we need to realize is, is one aspect of the judgment of God. Isaiah 3 is very clear about that, that um, we have young men 
ruling over older men. Noble men are removed from society. And, and there's, there's all sorts of things revealed there in, in Isaiah 3. What we've got to realize is this. Our main problem is simply, again, not studying the Bible. Our main problem is not looking at mm -hmm. Christ or looking at Christ through some filtered lens rather than the raw scripture. My desire is not to be like John Wayne. It's also not to be like the other extreme. I want to set my sights on being like Jesus Christ. Now, also, I need to think about something. There is a headship in the family, and, and I am to be the head of my home. That doesn't mean that I... Um, you know, everything revolves around me. My headship serves one purpose, that I lead my home for the benefit of my wife and children, no matter how costly it is to me. My headship is sacrificial. And one of the things about being a true man, if we look at the model of Christ, it is self-giving and self-sacrifice. It's always, look at what Christ did. He gave himself and gave himself and gave himself mm -hmm. until there was nothing left to give. That is my responsibility to my wife and my children. Also, if you want to talk about Christ as our protector, he stood in front of us. He stood in front of his bride. Anyone wants to come to get his bride, anyone wants to come to get God's children, he's going to stand between them and the ones he loves. This requires strength, courage. I think that young men need to grow in character, number one. And the primary characteristic should be love, which is self-giving. This is not about me. It doesn't matter how much I hurt, doesn't matter how much I suffer, doesn't matter, matter if my expectations aren't met, my needs aren't met, my wants aren't met. That's not what it's about. It's about me dying for a woman and my children. Serving, giving, and stop looking in the mirror and stop being self-absorbed, self-giving. But then there's some practical things also. Um, it's my job to, to feed my family. And it doesn't matter, like in, in the rougher times when Heart Cry was first starting out, working construction, doing all these different things, hours a day, coming home at night, whatever I had to do to put food on the table, that's my job. If someone's going to stand in the door and going to hurt my family, it's my job to stand in the door. It's my job to take the brunt of everything this world has to throw at my wife and my family. And so, you know, I was raised where we raised Charlotte cattle and quarter horses. So, I mean, it was rodeo from the word go. I mean, you know, and your dad, my dad would just, you're going to be tough. Yeah. If you don't die, you're going to be tough. My sons were raised by a preacher. Yeah. And so, and they were homeschooled, so they weren't knocking about in football or rugby or, or this or that. And so I had to create scenarios, uh, physical scenarios for them. I made them work from the time they were little. Uh, they lifted weights. They, they learned how to fight. They did all these things because that's part of if when my sons marry, I expect them to do everything they have to do and be everything they have to be to protect that woman that they've married and to protect their children. Mm. And so there's, there's, there's all kinds of things that go into that. Mm. And, and we have to realize that uh, 
you know, we want to know that there's a noble and righteous government. We want to know that all these things are in place to protect us. But the responsibility I have is above all those other things mm -hmm. to care for a wife. You know, I told my boys, I said, let me look at your hands. Are there any calluses on your hands? Mm -hmm. You know, all right, uh, I'm going to work you. And that's what we did. Yeah. We did. So I created scenarios to make them tough. I, I didn't have much time for the outdoors because of my hectic schedule, but I made time. So they'd be sitting out in the snow for 10 hours hunting or whatever, just to make them tough. Talk about work ethic and how important that is in the molding of men. Yeah, I purposely, we lived in a, lived up basically kind of up a hill with a logging road and uh, we had no central heat or air conditioning in our cabin for all the, most of the years of the boys oh. and they were cutting wood constantly. Yeah. I know a man who lives in a suburb. And so what he would do when his sons would disobey, he, he went out to Lowe's and he bought a pallet of cinder blocks. There were probably a hundred cinder blocks. And then he put an empty pallet way on the other side of the backyard. And he would have the boys, okay, you, you dishonored your mother. You're going to do a hundred push-ups, this many setups, and you're going to move all those cinder blocks from over there to over there. Yeah. You know, and it just toughness. Uh, just briefly, Paul, you mentioned, you know, your definition of masculinity is not some external facade. No. It is sacrificial service that is not defined, you said, by passivity, but oh. because of inner right. strength, by being right. a man of character. Is there anything else? If, the, if you're talking to a young man, and, and I was 15, 25, 35, and you say, if you want to be a man, you need to do this, yeah. what would you say? I know this sounds just so simple, but you need to know who Jesus really was as he walked on this earth and you need to imitate him. And you do that by, if someone, you know, if you take some silly course on manhood, there's no telling what's going to end up. But if you will just get in the word and say, who is this Christ? And then know this, hmm. love. Hmm. Look, I, I know a guy who went into the jungle with me one time. He was slight. He was afraid of absolutely everything. I mean, he was so afraid. He was afraid of his shadow, the leaves, the spiders, the snakes. He was afraid of everything. You'd say, well, you know, how can you admire a guy like that? I admire him. Why? He was slight. He wasn't strong. He wasn't necessarily an outdoorsman. And he was scared. Do you know why he was there? Love. Hmm. He was there because he loved the people and he wanted them to know Christ. Hmm. It's look, it's love that makes a man strong. Hmm. It's love that makes a man fight like a tiger. Hmm. It's, it's love. And that's what I want him to see. You take him, you know, you take um, a Samuel Rutherford, you know, you read Samuel Rutherford and, and his writing is so poetic. And at times, you know, you're like, whoa, that's a little bit too much, you know. And yet here was a man who would defy anything because of his love for Christ, because of his love for his people. And, and so, you know, I don't want to build this. The Lord has spent many years destroying my bravado. Mm. It's one of the reasons for all my illnesses, everything else. It's to destroy that. We're not talking about some carnal strength or discipline or he's got muscles, you know, coming out of his ears. I want a man who loves so much 
And he will just lay down his life, lay down his life, lay down his life. And he's not, if I would say the greatest cause of weakness among young men today is self-absorption hmm. instead of sacrificial love and service. Hmm. That's what will make a man defy armies. Hmm. When bolder, bigger men turn tail and run, that little puny man who loves will stand hmm. his ground. He loves Christ. You know, and some will say, are you afraid? Yes, I'm afraid. There's been so many times I've been so afraid I didn't know what to do. Hmm. What keeps you in those moments? Because you're going to face enemies that it doesn't matter who you are. This is, this is not the movies. They're going to take you down. Hmm. And what makes you stand is not that you know Krav Maga. What's going to make you stand is you've been conformed to the image of Christ and you love. As you said, act like men is a biblical command. Yes. So I'm thankful just for your clarity on relaying to us what that even means and how it's possible. So thank you so much, Paul. All right.